This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Lorenz, Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, and Omnia Fishing. Hit him with the hook, Jeffries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about fishing. All sorts of stuff to get into today. We got through the Frank show, the 100th day four show with Frank Scalish. We got to catch some giant crappie. No, Frank did not break the three pound mark. He hooked a three pounder. He broke it off on braid. When you're breaking crappie off on braid on the hook set, that's a, a pretty str- strong fish. Uh, a, a guy who knows a little bit about setting the hook today. Very excited to have uh, the legend, the Hall of Famer, Tommy Biffle on the show today and we're going to get into all sorts of stuff uh with tommy both current and past but before we do that let's circle back to the crappie big announcement uh of something that is going down on february 11th in southern minnesota let's bring in adam bartuzek from the crappie chronicles bart thanks for getting up early uh i yeah you're not an early riser are you no not typically normally i'm editing till about four or five in the morning but yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's been a while. Been a hot minute since the St. Jude last year, I think. It has. Uh, season three of the Crappie Chronicles going strong right now. Uh, some really cool stuff coming down the pipeline for that. So if you guys check it out on YouTube, just type in the Crappie Chronicles. And it's it's ice fishing, but it is not ice fishing like you would think it would be ice fishing. You're hunting and yeah. searching. Really cool stuff going on. Uh, we, have a, we have a big fan base from down south, actually, especially with all the live imaging and stuff now. It doesn't really matter that there's a lid on the water. People like watching it. So if you like crappie fishing, people like it. All right. Big, an, big announcement coming in. So last year, me and you fished the uh, Dick Hiley St. Jude Bass Classic first week and in May on the river. Uh, it raised over $750,000 for St. Jude Children's Hospital last year. Uh, this is the 25th anniversary of the event. Last year, me and you uh, sold T-shirts mm-hmm. uh, with 100% of the proceeds going. But I think we raised, what, like 65 something around there. But there was an anonymous donor that like doubled all of our stuff for the T-shirts like through the direct donation link. And then you yeah. get there and you see guys, what is it, Corey Hoke and those guys who f- first raise insane amounts of money. Yeah, Corey and stuff were raising like 30 grand. And then you got, uh, I think I think a team had over $100,000 last year, if I remember right. So we wanted to do something bigger this year. And I think Matt and, uh, I mean, speaking for you, but also for myself, I think we both want to raise over $10,000 in one day and then see what else we can do over a period of a few months. Absolutely. So one of the things you said, hey, we're in Minnesota, it's frozen. There's not much else going on. Let's do a a meet and greet at a a pub or a, a bar. We get together with fans of the Crappie Chronicles and BTL, and then we can use our, our current sponsors, BTL sponsors, uh, to have a raffles and 100% of the proceeds go to St. Jude. So what do we have going on? Because you know how to say this place, I don't. Yeah, so, excuse me, 
But uh, yeah, so on February 11th at 5 p.m., I believe it starts, we will be at Giesenbroi Beer Company down in New Prague, Minnesota. For those of you from kind of the upper Midwest, it's about like 35 to 40 minutes southwest of the cities. Um, there is a hotel actually right across from the parking lot. So if you wanted to come down for the weekend, you totally can. Uh, but we will be having, like Matt said, we'll be having raffle prizes. And the thing to know here is we have, Matt can list everything he's got going to be there, but we have a, like, I'm talking thousands of dollars of prizes and they're not like little gift packages. They are like high end uh, equipment, high end prizes, like big plastics packages for people who come to show up. So if you're buying raffle tickets, all the money's going to St. Jude and um, you're going to win some cool stuff. Like if you're a fisherman, you're going to win cool stuff. And as we all know, in the upper Midwest this time of year, uh, everything's frozen. Everybody's bored. Everyone's sick of winter. So it's a great night to, for everybody to get together, just chat bass fishing, chat ice fishing. We will have ice fishing prizes and bass fishing prizes. Um, it'll be like a $10 entry. So you'll get one, one raffle ticket with that. And then uh, I think it's $5 per ticket after that. You can get Five, uh, five tickets for twenty dollars. We're gonna have a bunch of stuff. I'm letting you. De I'm letting you determine that. Basically, if you want to get ice fishing stuff, you can. Thousands of dollars of ice fishing stuff. I've got thousands of dollars of freshwater stuff. I've got two uh, two Denali rods, the Androids, the four hundred dollar rods. There, spinning rod, a bait caster, an Afco package, uh, Reaper, Hydronaut gloves, beanie, boat bag. Uh, this is a big one. Pro Guide batteries. Uh, we had Matt Looney in studio last week. Stepped up, and they are. Uh, donating a $500 gift certificate to Pro Guide Batteries. Anything that you can purchase on the website, uh, uh, AGM, lithium batteries, chargers, whatever it is. So if you're able, and the only way you can buy tickets is to attend attend this event in New Prague on the 11th, 5 to 10 p.m., uh, $500 gift certificate to the Pro Guide Battery site. Uh, so big, big shout out to Pro Guide for stepping up uh and and supporting saint jude and supporting this fundraiser i got a 450 dollar uh sunline package that i'll be giving away to uh, someone with the raffle ticket and then 50 packs of big bites we're talking uh pro packs of the bfes all sorts of stuff about 250 dollars there so very excited uh for this event i'm literally flying out on saturday doing the event flying back early sunday morning so wish i could stick stick around and get in on a little bit of ice fishing action but i gotta get ready for the bassmaster eq spart yeah yeah and speaking of ice fishing so ice fishing prizes for people who are interested we got clams giving away a hub house so I'll have a hub house there. We're going to have a Vexlar flasher along with two cameras. Um, and then I know Thorn Brothers is given four custom, four of our custom ice rods. Yeah. So it's good we've stuff. Got a, yeah, we've got a little bit for everybody. Um, every beer you buy, some of the money is going to be going to St. Jude as well. And they'll have a food truck. There's food also really close to this. Brewery, yeah. So. yeah, it's going to be a uh, lot of for those of you that are on the uh, that are in the comments asking, what if we can't attend? How can we buy? You can't buy any. You have to attend to get these raffle tickets. We will have uh, a, an, another uh, kind of auction, not auction, but uh, you know, donating to St. Jude with the link like we did last year, uh, as well as a, a T-shirt coming out. But hey, I just wanted to get you on, Bart. Jump on, talk a little bit about that. Uh, and if you have any questions, jump into your DMs, my DMs on Instagram facebook uh for more information right 
Yeah, definitely. And I'll get you the direct donation page and we can get that up for the BTL viewers too. And yeah, we'll have more prizes coming uh, in the next few months. We'll have a couple things for the people watching live. Thank you for the uh, early morning info, Bart. Mm-hmm. Best I can do. All right. Have a good one, Tommy. All right. See ya. All right. That was Adam Bartizek. And like I said, uh, something that I'm really uh, excited about is continuing uh, the work with St. Jude. I went to that tournament last year, Fat Cat Newton emceed it, and it's the real deal. It's not only the the the, the best ran tournament that I've ever participated in, but dude, uh, one tournament, $750,000 to, to St. Jude's uh, Children's Research Hospital is actually supposed to go to, uh, to St. Jude there in Memphis and tour it. Hopefully that will happen this year. All right. There's one man that I really don't like to keep waiting. Well, there's a couple that I don't like to keep waiting. One of them would be Tommy Biffle. What's up, Tommy Biffle? Can you hear me? Yeah, Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Now, that is quite the backdrop. I, I need to set it for the iTunes listeners. If you're listening to Tommy Biffle, I see one, two, three, four, five, six. I see seven deer, a turkey, an Elite Series trophy. And is that a bobcat or what is that that's jumping on the on the yeah, side of you a there? Bobcat, bobcat with a quail. And I've got close to probably 40 deer in here mounted. Do you and, still have the rattlesnake? Yeah, yeah, he's over here in the fireplace. Still in the fireplace. I remember the the only I, I went to your house one time. We were fil- shooting some stuff. Uh, I think for Bassmaster, for BTL, or Bass Owner, or something. And you have a a mounted rattlesnake. How'd you kill that? Was that like a, a shovel, a foot? Did you shoot it? What's the rattlesnake story? No, I caught it, and uh, I wanted to have one mounted, and I couldn't find out. I couldn't figure out how to kill him. So without messing him up. And uh, I finally found a taxidermist that would mount him. And he was in Tulsa. And, uh, you know, I, I looked for formaldehyde and all kinds of stuff to uh, put him in. And didn't come up with anything. But uh, it's kind of stupid the way he killed him. He just dropped him in the deep freeze and froze him. Wow. And then skinned him and yep skinned him out and mounted him all right yep i know we're working with uh we're working with what we got you've got great audio uh your video's lagging a little bit but as long as we got good audio we're gonna roll with it sound good sounds fine to me all right um all sorts of stuff to get into with you tommy first of all uh congratulations on the hall of fame this past year right yeah that was a great honor i was unable to attend this year i was actually fishing a Bassmaster open but talk a little bit about what it's like to uh to be inducted into the bass fishing hall of fame to get to go to uh to uh the wonders of wildlife there in the aquarium and know that you'll be a part of that forever now well it's a you know pretty humbling deal but uh you know, we just went to the aquarium two days ago, and I was still in there, so I was pretty happy that they hadn't thrown me out yet. But uh, it is a great honor. You know, I was I was really dreading it. I was dreading the speech more than anything, but uh, I made it through that. So you know, it was a great night altogether. That's awesome. Uh, but you're not done. 
I mean, you're in the Hall of Fame now, but I mean, I feel like you, I feel like you kind of Rick Clunish, like you might have another 20 good years in you. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but I, I you know, I was kind of wondering how long Rick was going to go. I would like to be the one that lasted the longest, but, uh, you know, Clun, he hangs in there and he's tough. So we'll have to see how it goes. Do you, uh, do you talk a lot to Rick? Like, I mean, I know you guys have competed against each other for a long time. Like what's it, what's your relationship like with him? Oh, I, I talk to him, you know, when I see him and stuff, but we don't see each other that often anymore. He, uh, he's in bass and I'm in major league fishing and, uh, we just don't, don't get to run into each other more than a couple of times a year at shows or high cast or something. I got you. Well, he's got, I think what a decade on you. Cause you didn't start till 85. And I think he started like mid seventies. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a little time on me, so it, it might be hard to, hard to beat him. So we'll just have to see how it happens. All right. I want to get right into the history of this thing. Uh, I kind of gave you a heads up, but it was like three minutes ago before the show started, Tommy. Uh, I don't think people realize how many tournaments that have been major parts of history that you've been an integral part of. And I want to go back to a quarter century ago uh, to the 98 FLW Tour Championship. At the time, the richest payout in tournament fishing history, a quarter of a million dollars. Up until then, uh, what was it? Was 100000 the most that there had been? Is that what the Classic yeah, was yeah, paying probably. out? Probably 100000 was the highest payout back then. So a quarter of a million. Do you remember that tournament and going into it in, in 98 on FLW, what it was like knowing you would fish for a quarter million dollars? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, something like that you don't forget. And, and uh, it's, it's uh, you know, quite a deal to fish in the first, first tournament that's had that much money in it. You kind of chased Davy that entire tournament, didn't you? Yeah, we were we were close. Um, I don't remember who was ahead most of the time. I think I was ahead until the last day. But uh, Davy was right there, and then he ended up coming in there where I was fishing, and uh, we split it up, and the rest was history. Really? So that was on like the on the last day. It was it was on the next to the last day, if I remember right. And uh, I had an area that I was fishing, and he had an area over there where he was fishing. And uh, I think it was on the last day, he kind of moved over there kind of by where I was at. And I told him, I said, you see that dead tree right there? That dead tree's the line. You don't cross that line, I won't cross it. And uh, that's what really cost me winning it because <laughs> I gave him too much water. And then I think they pulled the water a little bit and the fish that I was catching moved over on the other side of the line. So uh, I didn't go over there and try to catch him and he ended up beating me. You picked the wrong line. Yeah, yeah. So how do you determine where the line is? Dude, you're notorious for this, Tommy. You're notorious. I remember Wheeler, Wheeler Lake flipping bushes. Remember that one? That was a that yeah. was a freaking awesome tournament. But I I remember I was covering it. Uh, I had been only in the in the in the industry for five or six years. Had Terry Butcher idols in. And it's like day three or four. And Terry Idols passed us because we're shooting photos. And then he sees you and he goes, uh oh. And he, he said, hey, Tommy, 
what what do you do? Where do you fish it? And you did the old circle with the rod, like, hey, I, I got the whole little backwater back here. And Terry yeah. goes, okay. And he and he left. Now I know that's probably Oklahoma professional courtesy. You guys knew each other, but how do you determine who gets the line, where that line is? How does that all go down? Because you're you seem to be one of the guys who who it's like, hey man, Biffle is the best in the business at staking his claim. Well, if you if you've been there for a day or two, say tournaments three, four days long, and, and you're up there around the lead. The worst thing you could do when I started was to get in with help. Back when I started, it was within a mile of somebody, you know, but uh, if, if you've been catching them and, and you're, you're in a little area and you've been catching them, you're in, you're in the lead or up there at the top, have a chance to win. Then, you know, I'll call from here to there. Mm-hmm. And, and the area that I'm fishing. So, uh, you know, I don't try to run them plumb off the, off the lake or out of the Creek or wherever it's at, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to let them come in there and pilfer two or three fish that might cost you winning it. Do you think that that, I guess, let's say gentlemen's agreement, professional courtesy has changed as we've gone more to social media and we've seen bigger tournaments and younger guys getting into it. Is it, is the on the water courtesy anywhere near where it was when you got started in this game? No, it's not, not even close. You know, the worst thing you could get blackballed for was, was getting on somebody's fish back when I first started. And, and now, <laughs> now they'll come help you and you just got to out catch them, out fish them or run them off one or the other. I did a episode of the call with Dave Mercer. We called it whose fish is it? And it's days one and day two, you've got full field and they flip in your opinion. You know, if you're in the top five after day one, do you still have a right to those fish on day two or a guy going, well, I was going to start there on day one. And he's there on day two. How does that work when you have flipped fields? Now, I know you guys are a little different the way that uh, the BPT does their takeoff. Uh, still a lot of people here listed this that, you know, whether you're fishing a BFL regional and open a two-day championship for your club. Uh, I think there's a lot of beefs on that flipping on the, the days one and day two. What are your thoughts on that? If you're in the hunt on day one? Uh, you need to really more or less be on the hunt on the day three or four okay uh, you know day one is day one day two is day two um if you've run way way off somewhere and on day one and you caught them real good and you've not seen a boat all day long and then here comes somebody on day two you know you might let them on kind of fish through there and go on but uh you know if they if some of them actively hunt you down and uh those are the ones you need to run off. That happens. There's guys who actively go, Tommy's in the top of the tournament. Tommy's leading the tournament. There he is. I'm going to go try to try to edge my way in. Like, that's actually happened to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's wild. But, you know, it's uh, a lot, lot of it's desperation. A lot of it, you know, back then was, you know, maybe a, you had to finish good. The guy had to do good yeah. to, to make the classic. So... There's a lot of variables that's that's in it. Do you think there's 
less on the water pressure now because less guys are are making a living through tournament winnings and more so diversified off the water to where the tournament is just an aspect of their professional career like back in let's say the 80s and 90s there was a much larger percentage of guys whose entire revenue depended on on the water performance fair assessment yeah yeah but so more beefs back then than there are now you think i wouldn't say there's any more um i, th- I think it, as time goes on that there's more people getting used to somebody coming in and you know fishing the area that you're in or whatever uh more so now than there used to be used to be that was uh like i said you know that's the biggest no-no you could do but uh anymore it's pretty pretty common practice when was the last the last time you had to run someone off? Has it happened in the BPT yet? No, not really. Because uh, first thing we've got eighty great guys, and and uh, you know half of us fish the first day, half of you fish the second day. Right. So really, until you get to the uh, knockout round, you don't know who's fishing where. Ah, that's a good so, point. So you 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 have no right. I have no right to try to run somebody off. You know. So uh, you just fish around them and and move on and see what happens. And this all started with me asking about fishing for two hundred fifty thousand bucks back in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, we're gonna take our first break of the show. When we come back, uh, we'll do a, we'll do an, I have another on the water question for you, and it's about running sketchy stuff. All right. Because because you are legendary for your ability to run sketchy stuff. And I have a specific example on that. So Tommy Biffle from the, probably the coolest man cave we've had, we've had on BTL so far. You said how many deer? I've got close to 40. 40 deer. How many trophies? A 10, at least 10, right? Yeah. But trophy is not even out. <laughs> uh, I see one. I see the one blue trophy. Is that two yeah, blue there's, trophies there's, behind you? I think there's four, four yep. blue trophies over there, but, that's just because they didn't have no place else to put them. All right. What other animals? I've, if I remember correctly, you have a leopard down there. Yeah, got a leopard, kudu, impala, red stag, uh, bobcat, a couple of bobcats. You got a walleye or some weird fish, if I remember right. I've got a, a big walleye. I've got a uh, tiger fish from That's Africa. it. And uh, I always said I wanted to have a house full of... Uh, animals mounted i pretty much do i would say that you have achieved your goal tommy all right it is btl on a monday january 30th with tommy biffle we will be back right after this introducing hds pro watch fish reacting to your lure live with active target 2 get game-changing clarity in the megahertz range with the new active imaging hd sonar Find the richest fishing spots with CMAPS charts. Take full control of your boat with the ultimate fishing system. HDS Pro. The more you see, the more you catch. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. 
Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years' experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xonelures.com and check them out for yourself. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Monday with the man, Tommy Biffle. And we peaked, we peaked some interest, Tommy, when, when we mentioned the walleye. Uh, we have... We have uh, well, he's, his login name is the Walleye Channel. For like three years now, he's been talking about catching walleye on topwaters. Like apparently where he lives, that's like his thing. There's like a time of the year where they blast topwaters like smallmouth. You ever heard of that? Never heard of that. I, I did catch some flipping one time, but uh, I thought that was pretty weird. But Where was I, that? I heard of, huh? Where was that? That was at Lake Stockton up there in Missouri. Huh. Like it just in the bushes. They just don't just like a normal bass. Yeah. Biting a jig just like a just like a bass. That's pretty cool. Were there a bunch of shad in the bushes or something? I don't remember any shad. I was up there uh, practicing for a tournament, you know, way back back in the day and uh got to flipping willows and got to catching walleye and I really don't even know if I knew what one was. I took I think I took one of them over to the to marina and ask him ask him what it was and the guy said where'd you get them i said over in them bushes and uh i think he closed up and went over and started fishing <laughs> how big is the one you got on your wall that's another a question that's been asked a couple times it's over 10 oh well that's a, a proper walleye tommy yeah um one of the first times i believe we were ever at thousand islands that i was at uh First morning of the tournament, first thing, caught, caught it on a jig and frog. And uh, I thought, oh, that's, that's good eating. I'll eat, I'll eat him tonight for supper. And put him in a live well and got back to the campground and found some guys that had a knife. And they said, oh, you better keep that. And you better keep that when they taught me into mounting it instead of eating it. So <laughs> that's how I ended up with it. You caught it on a jig and uh, pork? Yeah, yeah. So it was a minute ago. No, it was a long time ago. Probably the first time, the first tournament that I went to uh, Thousand Islands. Were you dragging it or were you flipping it in the grass there? I was, I was pitching on the grass line on the edge. I got you. That place has changed a lot from when uh, 
BASS and F and and tournaments started going there. Like just as far as weights and fisheries and how that fishery changed, it's a really dynamic fishery now. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. You know, back first time we went, but it's it's way way better now than it ever has been. Speaking speaking of the northern fisheries, when was the last time you were on Oneida? Um, I think I on Oneida probably a tournament or two after I won the first time. I think I've I've been there a couple of times since. I'm trying to think. Help me out here, Tommy. Has there ever been a major bass tournament that completely changed how almost all of the locals approach a fishery? No. <laughs> it, it, that that tournament that I won, it, it runs the largemouth fishing in that lake. How good was it? Well, it was it was good because nobody fished for them. Yeah, they all they all fish for smallmouth. Um, you know, you ask anybody, and you could not win the tournament on largemouth, and uh, so that left the lake wide open for me. All right, so for those who are not historians of the sport, it was what oh, what year was that? Oh six, oh seven, somewhere in there. I couldn't even tell you. Oh wait, hold on, I'll pull it up here in a second. One second. all right seven first place wins it would have been 2006 you had 60 63 pounds and and at oneida crystal clear water and you were catching largemouth on the bank flipping in a foot of water where you could see the bottom and these fish would just be where shade lines under stuff like how did you figure out holy cow i can go up here and bust 16 to 18 a day well you you'd go along there and, and you'd see an overhanging willow you know uh, might, be, not, might not even be in the water or there might be a branch or two in this one particular willow i flipped under there and i caught one and about four or five more came out with him and they were all three to four pounds ooh. and so then i started looking and anything you found like that, any undercut bank, any little old briar bush that hung over the seawall that made a little shade and made a little dark spot in there, you could you could run those and catch them everywhere you went. So uh, that's what I did. And and did you have any of your buddies that were in the tournament going, Tommy? You can't win it on largemouth. You gotta you gotta mix in the smallmouth. Or did you even tell anyone? I didn't tell any. I didn't tell anybody that I was catching them that good. But uh, you know the the talk, the people around the tournament director, uh, you know, all of them thought you couldn't win it on. You know, they'd make a big deal out of it when you'd have fifteen, sixteen, seventeen pounds of, of largemouth and no smallmouth in the bag. And you caught a five on the first day. Hey, listen, this is it. This is from a Bass Fan article from October 2nd, 2006. His stunning largemouth sacks, including a day one five-pounder, shocked even locals. It was old school fishing at its finest, but with a twist because he fished in literally inches of gin clear water. Yep. Yeah, we, uh, one of the coolest things was the last day. I had flipped in a place and, and got a bite and missed him. And the water's like eight inches deep or so, crystal clear, drinking water. And this, the bass had a big old black spot, you know, the spots that they get on them. Yep. 
and you can see that big old black spot just plain as day and he shot out of there and he went all the way across the cove and i watched him and i watched him go over to a piece of another shade piece of cover over there picked the trolling motor up eased over there eased up there first flip caught him <laughs> so that was a pretty neat deal completely unpressured and then after that you know there's a lot of tournaments on oneida i mean largemouth then became the thing yeah yeah, yeah. and then you know, the next time we go back, there's 20 or 30 guys fishing for largemouth. And then the time after that, there's probably 50 of them fishing for largemouth. So uh, you had to have a mixed bag after that. It's it's real interesting. So I, I've been up there the last uh, the last couple of years, Tommy, for Bassmaster Opens. And uh, it's flipping back to smallmouth. A, uh, gobies got in the fishery. So the smallmouth are now uh, that had been pelagic uh, bait fish chasers, you know, perch, the diving gulls, all that. Uh, there's times of the year I'm, I'm sure that works, but that's not the deal anymore. It's the the goby chasing smallmouth. And then I think three, four years ago, they had a real bad uh, fish kill where a lot of the, the fish less than six foot of water died, which meant a lot of the largemouth died. All the big smallmouth that survived, it was something that got in their brain. And I was talking with the... Uh, with the guys at the tackle shop there. And I said, ah, I caught like a four and a half in practice. He goes, let me guess it had one eye. I was like, how'd you know that? And he goes, cause almost all the big ones that survived that fish kill something happened in their brain. It killed one eye, but it saved the other eye. And they're like, they're the ones that have survived. So a lot of the population of largemouth is gone. And it's, they're kind of having to start back because of how many of those fish in less than six foot of water died during that summer, a couple of years ago. Well, that's, that's crazy. Did they ever figure out what happened? It was something about like it was massively warm and it was some sort of algae with the oxygen level. I don't know. I don't want to speak like I actually am like a fisheries biologist up there. It's just a number of people have told me kind of the same thing. You know, one of the one of the neatest things, uh, you know, Dave Smith. Yeah, Big Dave. Uh, Big everyone knows Big Dave because he makes every trophy you've ever seen in bass fishing. Those trophies yeah. behind you, Big Dave's MTM recognition. Every one of them. But uh, he, he told me the neatest story back one of the first few times we were at Oneida. And he said, bass fishermen are so dumb. And, and I said, how's that? And he'd take a bag of Cheetos, go by the store, buy a big bag of Cheetos. And when he's going across the lake out there in the middle, he'd dump them out. <laughs> and those gulls would be out there diving on them. And he'd go over there and stop somewhere and just watch them. Uh, everybody see those gulls diving and they'd run out there to, to where they're diving on those Cheetos. <laughs> He's in bass fishermen so dumb. <laughs> but Dave, and, Dave was a great guy. He always liked to play jokes like that. And he'd just be sitting over on his butt seat with his legs crossed, drop shotting with a bait caster. Laughing his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> he he's still doing good he's not as mobile as he as he used to be but uh my good buddy and you know him too uh i think he went to the amazon with him is jared miller uh oh, he's yeah. still I, I still check in he still talks to dave uh yeah. pretty regularly yeah i call him he's he's a he's a hoot he speaking changed. of hall of fames i think he's in like the ba uh, oklahoma basketball hall of fame he probably is he, he yeah. loves that basketball that's good stuff uh you're known for running sketchy stuff, right? Like that's yeah. kind of 
So I remember very first open I ever fished, 2015. I'm on Ross Barnett early in the year. It's the one that uh, we're over there in the area where McClellan had that mega sack. And I didn't know. It's real sketchy on that side of the lake. We'll leave it at that. And I've got a co-angler who's a local. I don't know what I'm doing. I just know that I really like my lower unit and my prop and I don't want to embarrass myself. And there's kind of like an island deal, but there's like metal sticking out and stumps. And this local I was with, you know, I was idling and he's like, do you know where you're going? I was like, absolutely not. And he goes, well, you can kind of angle over this way, blah, blah, blah. And then we hear, and it's boat running. And he goes, I have never seen anyone run this in 30 years back (laughs) on this flat. And I said, yeah, we can't tell who it is. And he goes, that guy's either a local or has a death wish. And it's getting louder. You pop out of this deal and you are trimmed up and hauling ass, Tommy. And this guy is shocked. And he goes, you think he knows where he's going? And I was like, I have no idea. He goes, that is, he goes, I've never seen anybody run that. And you were just wow god right through it he's like that's the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life and then you're gone and then we went fishing obviously you didn't hit anything but i mean that's pretty much par for the course for how you run run stuff right yeah i'd always tell everybody i run on the theory if you don't see it it's not there you know sometimes it is sometimes it's not but most of the time if you'll run wide open trim it up you'll make it so what, what does most of the time mean? Like, have you ever found yourself in a real pickle because huh. of some boat driving? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been, a, I can write a book on, on real pickles and dumb stuff that I've done. And I wish back then I had a GoPro, GoPro camera on my boat because I would have some of the neatest video there ever was. But uh, I, have, I have pulled a lot of stunts in my career. Can I share any of them? Well, I mean, I give you some for instances. Yeah, had, let's hit. Uh, let's let's hit. Let's hit us with some for instances, Tommy. I had uh, down in the coast, down there on like Pascagoula, down there where it's little bitty rivers. You know, not like rivers we have here, but more like big creeks. Mm-hmm. I had my sponsor. Uh, Solar bat um, was with me. He was fishing the tournament, and we're running back to weigh in, and we're running down those little old creeks and rivers, you know. And, and uh, we come to a corner, right hand corner, and there was a guy over on the left bank fishing. There was a guy tied up in a tree, uh, crappie fishing. Well, we come down there, and, and you know. They just pop up on you. We're running wide open. Yeah. And you don't have no choice but just to keep her hammered and keep going. Well, it was such a sharp corner that the boat spun all the way around. And it luckily got pointed back down the creek. And I just, and never slowed down. And I never said nothing. And we got to to the weigh-in. And he said, that's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. I said, you've never done a high-speed donut before? And he said, 
No, he said, you waved at him when we went around. <laughs> he just couldn't get over that. But, you know, what else you do when you wash them out on the bike almost, you know, you got to wave at them. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so uh, you did a 360 on yeah, the curve and then hooked it back up. Yeah, never, never missed a beat. Probably didn't lose two or three mile an hour when it did it. Wow. And then we had another one down there that it was back when the mapping first came out. We hadn't had them very long on the units. Yep. And everybody was running up the river and, you know, the river's like a big creek and there's arms and forks and stuff going off. And there's four, five, six boats in front of me and it forks and they go right. And really, you should have went left. Well, the first three, four, or five, however many was ahead of me, they hit. They hit in the bottom. They're stuck in the mud. Well, there was a long peninsula of cattails coming out, making the fork. Right. So I saw them hitting the ground. Well, I just turned it hard as I could right. And well, right there's a big wall of cattails on that peninsula. So I just floored it. And I hit them cattails and jumped across that land and back in the creek on the other side and kept on going. And it looked like a James Bond movie and everybody saw it. But, uh, you know, they go, How, how'd you? I said, well, I didn't have any choice. I said, is either get stuck in the mud or, or uh, take my chances of jumping that little piece of land and hoping there wasn't a log there. And luckily there wasn't, wasn't anything there. And I never slowed down. We're how much better have boats gotten at handling than they used to be? Like, I remember Harold oh. Allen being like, Hey, the first thing we used to do is put the boat up and sand the bottom of it. So it was faster. And I'm like, yeah. really? Like, how did that help with handling? He's like, it didn't, but it made it three miles an hour faster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they handle a ton better now, and you know the power steering and everything. Um, yeah, they used to be back on back in the day. They used to be a handful. Oh, that's right. So I'm, I all like these stories you're talking about. You're not dealing with power steering. You're, I mean, you're turning the dang thing. Yeah, yeah. And you probably didn't have a hot foot either. Yeah, I had the first hot foot of any bass boat probably ever made. Really? How did that come about? I had went to the boat races up in St. Louis and seen a hot foot in those race boats and bought one before I left. The first tournament I go to after I put it in my boat, the Lake Patrol, when I went through boat check, pulled me out of line and wasn't going to let me fish. And I showed him how it worked. I said, look, I can get thrown out. And then to go to an idol. Well, then after that, it was a great deal. But I'll bet you I had the first hot foot in a bass boat. You have any idea what year that would have been? Roundabouts? Oh. Um, I mean, were you running the were you running the NASCAR Ranger back then with like the jersey like that? Oh, I feel like that was one of your this, iconic looks, Tommy. This 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 was way before that. Okay. This was this was this was my second boat. I was probably about nineteen. Oh, so this was 
This is old school. Like this, yeah, old. you probably had the first hot foot. Yeah, old, 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 long time ago. Wow. Did you get to do anything cool with the NASCAR rap? Like, do you get to go down in the pits and take a bunch of the guys racing and or fishing and stuff? I didn't back then when I was running that NASCAR boat, but I did have some great NASCAR experiences through fishing with uh, with uh, Ryan Newman and and uh, some of the other guys uh, back a long time ago. You take them, just you take them fishing because a lot of those guys like to fish, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I took Ryan fishing, went to his house, and uh, we fished the lake that he has there at his house, and uh, you know, had a great time. I'm trying to find a picture of you because I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just my age, but that is like seared into my young memory. It was like here's the here's you know Tommy Biffle who commands the water drives like he stole it and is wrapped with this nascar thing like it was just the perfect combination back then like if you couldn't pick a better guy for that for that rap because that was like a rate was that a ranger series boat like yeah, a nascar yeah. edition yeah it was a nascar edition when was the last time you saw one of those i mean they got to be out there still don't they i've still got to see that in my building really yeah the uh the bench seat I'm looking at this. Uh, was the Timex deal? Was that just a one-off tournament? Like, did no, you have to wear that on the no. final day, or you were sponsored by Timex? Yeah, we were sponsored by Timex for quite a few years. That's the watch deal, right? Yeah. Huh. That had to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't I? Oh, here it is. I found it. I found it, Tommy. All right, let me share the screen here. Let's bring back some. Boom, there it is. Yeah. You had the it was a yellow jersey, old school jersey, Ranger, NASCAR right across it with the checkered flag. Yep. Yep, I believe there's still one of those shirts up there in the closet somewhere. Why is that in a closet and not on the wall? I don't know. <laughs> Deer's on the wall. <laughs> Dude, you got to have that jersey on the wall. That's a top five iconic jersey. I put that jersey, top five iconic jerseys. I put that jersey with the crown royal jersey, the purple crown royal yep. jersey. That's That's got to be in the top five, don't you think? Probably was. It probably was. Uh, the uh, frosted flakes jersey. I would put, I'd put the, either, either Tony, that you could either go Lafibra or you could go Wendlet. Yeah, that that jersey would have to be in the top five. Who else has a badass jersey that you would put in your top five jerseys? Like just oh. old school jerseys of all time. Oh, you know there was there was Fuji. They had tournaments so, or shirts. Those Timex shirts. Um, who else? We did a whole show with Brett Hyde on the FLW team deals, and those just got ridiculous for a while. Yeah, there was, there was, you know, that's where all those started. I think uh, most of them was from FLW. Yep, Clay Williamson. I mentioned that too. I would have to go. You'd have to go. Aaron Martin's with the vault jersey, probably one of the first die sublimated jerseys, I believe. Remember that green vault jersey that he had? I don't remember that as much as I remember him having the purple jerseys, the Crown Royal, and uh... that was what. Uh, 
was Peter T on that and Aaron yeah. and Skeet? Yeah. I don't know if Skeet was on that, but I know Peter T was. I feel like a lot of them were. You ever uh you ever just completely sheared off the lower unit at like dusk and been stuck out overnight? I have cut a lot of them off, but I never stayed out overnight. Okay. I stayed out till about one or two one time. Where was that? That's the Mississippi River. Oh, that's probably not very fun. No. <laughs> no. And I didn't hit anything. The motor the motor bracket broke and, and uh the motor came off and it took us till about well, we made it to weigh in, but time we got the boat back up the river up back up to Memphis is about two in the morning. All right, you good for one more segment? I mean, dude, I could talk with you about a bunch of stuff because I want to do yeah. a little BTLs, entertain, educate, and engage. You've definitely been entertaining and engaging, but I want to get into some educational stuff because, I mean, okay. what's a what's a Tommy Biffle show without some Biffle bug questions? Okay. Fair enough? I'm good. All right, BTL on a Monday with Tommy Biffle. We'll be back right after this. Everything you need, one legendary brand, Top on Strike King. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough. And I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down range. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got no pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the waterman brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you want to just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting straps we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. All right, welcome back. Tommy Biffle, I noticed you perked up there when the uh, pocket knife commercial came up, Tommy. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I noticed I you were kind of looking around. Deal? And then you heard the EDC pocket knife and, and Michael Deal opened one up and you said, uh, now, we're, now we're talking my language. Yeah, I don't know how come I didn't get that deal. Where did that come from? The I'll cut you? From Ish. Really? Yeah. 
And that's and that's where I want from here to the dam. That's where that came from. So Ish is responsible for a lot of the the aura surrounding you about yes. don't mess with Tommy Biffle. Because, dude, I've crappie fished with you on the water. Now, I haven't competed against you. I haven't tried to come in on a creek where you're trying to win on. But, like, you're a fun guy to be on the water with. You're not grumpy at all. You're cutting up, telling jokes, having a great time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had, uh, you know, I started guiding here this past year. And and uh, <laughs> some, of the, some of the people I've taken, they think that's probably the best part of it. Because <laughs> everyone thinks you're just grumpy. Yeah, that's that's not right. But you don't mind that on the water. I mean, that's kind of good to have a little bit of that. You go back to the NASCAR, a little bit of that Dale Earnhardt kind of intimidation. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's been good. All right. Let's talk uh, Bifflebug, which you really, you really kind of put that on the map there at the Gibson tournament that was supposed to be on the river, right? Is that right? Yeah. If my memory serves me right. Yeah. So there was a tournament that was supposed to be on the Arkansas river out of three forks. It was a time of the year where they only had a 50% chance of it happening just based on what usually happens to the river. All of a sudden trees floating down the river, everything. They had one day of practice where guys could go out on Gibson. They moved it from the river to Gibson elite series tournament. Did you really mow your yard that day instead of even go out and practice on the one practice day? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mowed the yard. I figured if about 30-something years of fishing out there, one one more day of practice wasn't really going to help. I didn't even want to be seen on the water. No, because, you know, if I would have went out there, I would have just messed with them, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, run out in the middle and stop and fish here and run over there and stop and fish there. <laughs> you had done the, and, the big Dave Cheetos trick. Yeah, and, and, and for the guys that are looking and – you know, wanting to know where you're at and stuff, then that just messed them up. Yeah. You have to understand if you don't remember what happened there, folks, this is the greatest home field advantage in history. You literally have a house that lives that, that, that is on Gibson Gibson's your home Lake spent countless number of days out there. Uh, now you could get information on the elite series at that time, but it was a one month or two week or so. It was, there was, I think a one month uh, off limit. So everybody had worked on, on the, Arkansas River and Three Forks and Kerr and those pools. And then when they changed it, it was a day before the tournament started. No outside of maybe I think there had been one or two opens there before, uh, had had ever been on the on the lake. Right? Yeah, you're uh breaking up. I I don't really know what exactly what you said. Oh, I was just saying that's the greatest home field advantage in history, Tommy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That tournament. Yeah, I, I knew it was a bad deal for them. The Biffle Bug, then. Does it replace the Carolina rig, the jig, the big worm, and the plug in most situations? It does on my boat. You know, I, 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 if I say if there's anything that hurts me sometimes is I may throw it too much. But uh, it, is, it is an awesome bait, and my son-in-law would be fishing with me, and he'd be throwing everything else, and I'd like, look, you could be throwing that bug every cast and catching more fish. 
what percentage of the time would you say you still throw it? I, I mean, if you're fishing where it's one of those bites, I mean, is it in your tournaments over the last 10 years, how much of your time has been spent throwing a biffle bug? Probably 90%. Wow. That's insane. Yeah, Sometimes too much. Yep. Sometimes uh, it's too much on the head. And I mean, I know, I know you flip it too. So you're either bugging or flipping. Yeah. Do you crank at all? Have you ever cranked? Were you a cranker back in the day? I got, I got a lot of crankbaits. I don't like them, but I got them. And I caught the biggest stringer of fish I've ever caught on crankbait. But I still don't like it. Wait, let me see if I can get this off the top of my head. Was it a 31-15 bag to come from the from nowhere to win the uh, Mega Bucks tournament? No, no, I, I caught them on jig. What was your big string? Was it on Falcon? No, it was at uh, Chattanooga, Chickamauga. And it was not during the tournament, but practice for the tournament. Ah. And that was back, well, the grass has come back now, but that was when the grass was there the first time. And you could stop on a little cuts going up the river and catch at least a 7 to 10 pounder on every place you stop. Sometimes you catch three or four or five off of one corner. And I always said that's my that's my biggest biggest bunch of fish I ever caught. And How then, far? Go ahead. Then come back for the tournament and they drop to the water three feet. Yeah. Typical. How far yeah. behind were you in that Mega Bucks tournament on the first day when you came in with like thirty two on the second day? I was far enough behind that I had checked out of the hotel. <laughs> after the first day you checked out of the hotel you thought you were going home yeah yeah it wasn't the first day i think it was the second day, second day? yeah yeah it was uh because didn't you end up blowing that thing away i did but i didn't win you know they start over on the whole course yeah and i ended up not winning it but uh i did beat them pretty bad i think on the overall yeah i was looking at the overall it was well, it shows that you finished first on this. I remember kind of covered that. It was youth, 73 pounds, and then Larry Nixon, 64, Randy Blockett. Oh, okay, that's what I say. No, yeah, I see what you're saying there. There's some of the different the different weights. But, you, yeah, you just smoked everybody there. All right, what do we got going for this year? You excited for uh, you're going into the fifth year of the BPT. Uh, it's the longest dry spell without making a championship that you've had in your career. But the caveat to that is they're going back to five fish. You strike me as a five fish guy, Tommy. You happy yeah. with what's going on? You excited for the 2023 season? Yeah. That's, uh, you know, they pretty well convinced me that I can't catch 50 of them. <laughs> and, and, uh, back when I do seminars and stuff, you know, in my seminar, I would always say I would rather get five or six bites a day as to catch 50 little ones. Well, that's not the case in major league fishing, you know, 51 pounders is 50 pounds. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for it to go back to five fish. Any particular, uh, derby that sticks out to you? No, not really. You know, uh, long time ago, I, I, I quit going, well, I like this lake. I did good here two years ago, or I like that lake and, uh, just kind of take them as they come. And I like it. You're going, you're, you're not slowing down. 
You're going as as long as you can. You're going to try to catch a rick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. else you got? Anything you want people to uh, pay attention to, visit, see? You got it. Do you have a YouTube channel or no? TikTok? I, Are you a big TikToker? No, I'm not a TikToker. Um, you know, I do have Facebook and and that, but uh, you know, this well tomorrow night if it doesn't get too icy, I'm gonna teach a uh, crappie seminar at Tulsa Tech over in Owasa, really? six thirty six thirty to nine, and uh, they can either sign up online at uh, TulsaTech.com. Or they can show up at the door. And uh, I think there's three different classes. There's one uh, the seventh, the 2nd of February, the 7th of February, and then tomorrow night. If tomorrow night gets canceled, it'll be rescheduled, and uh, we'll do it again. But uh, that and, you know, White River Marine Group, which is Ranger, Nitro, and Triton, they, uh, if you hadn't seen it yet, they have come out with a, no entry fee participation if you bought a boat in the last four years i think uh, it's a chance to win more money you get to you get to fish for more money that's not included in a tournament but it's uh it's like eight thousand to win a tournament there's no limit on the number of tournaments you can win you can win 10 of them if you wanted to wow. and uh there's uh highest finishers highest top 10 finishers in the and each tournament's payout. And, you know, it's just a great deal from them. So if you've got a Ranger, Nitro, or Triton, you need to get on their website and go to White River Marine Group and check that out before the tournament season starts. You just need to sign up. That's where they make the money, is in those BFLs and the, is the incentives. You win like three grand, but then you, there's guys who make, who make like thirteen, fourteen thousand $14,000 in incentives. Yeah, yeah, that's a On great deal. A couple deal. hundred dollar entry fee. What do you, what yeah. model are you running this year? I'm gonna run a uh, R521. Yeah. And and uh, you know Ranger, I've run them my whole career. They're yep. they're great boats. So not the fastest, but they're they're great fishing boats. You have one boat over that entire over your entire career, like one exact boat that sticks out as the best boat that you have ever ran. Well, I, I loved that 461. Uh, I believe I was the last one to run a 461. They finally just told me, you cannot have another one. <laughs> and and uh, then after that, I got it. I got my old one back that I'd sold a buddy of mine and bought it back from him. And my son-in-law had it for several years. Uh, I'd say it had to be that old 461 probably. That's good stuff. Tommy, I greatly enjoyed this. I'm glad we were able to get you on uh, on StreamYard, got everything dialed in, and I think the stream settled down and everyone was able to see your lovely uh, your lovely trophy room. And hopefully you're going to add some more trophies to it. Yeah. yeah some uh, like hardware trophies, not trophy bucks or trophy cats or, you know, exotics, like some hardware. Yeah. Yeah, that means you got a good check. That's what I need to do. I got you. All right. Well, thank you very much. Don't forget when we hang up, your phone is on do not disturb right now. So you will not okay. hear any texts or calls or anything. So take that thing, swipe that swipe down in the right corner across, hit the little crescent moon, turn it off. Do not disturb. You move on with your day then. All righty. I appreciate you, Matt. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Okay.
All right, that was Tommy Biffle, and uh, dude, he's a he's a he's an OG. I remember I was telling a story to one of my buddies. I don't know if I haven't told it on air. Was we had a a Gene Larue media event a number of years ago at uh, Toledo Bend, and the crappie were really biting. And it was one of those deals where there was the tournament on Toledo Bend, and then three or four off days, and then another tournament. Uh, but but there was a day or two after that, and it was right when. Uh, right when Spotlock had come out and Terry Scroggins and Tommy, big crappie fishermen were like, Hey, we're sticking around. We have some brush piles that these things are just absolutely stacked in. So I went with big show, big show had Spotlock. It's blowing. It's windy. He said, Hey, watch this hammer, which is brilliant. Cause you don't have to know anyone's name if you just call him hammer. Uh, and he hit spot lock and, and we're slaying the crappie, but Biffle didn't have spot lock at the time. He was the first one with the hot foot, which is not surprising, but he didn't have spot lock. And I remember he got, I think he got spot lock after that, but he was tied. We Biffle tied up to big shows boat. So we had two boats with one spot lock and I was like, holy cow, I'm crappie fishing with Tommy Biffle and Terry. And it was, it was a freaking good time. So uh, we've got a lot of stuff going down. I've got an update on the color number seven from day four. Uh, we have a tournament that is won by probably one of the top three hottest guys going right now, Dakota Ebear, mega sack to win the Southeastern Toyota division. And then an update on a bonus show. We have a bonus show tonight with, hundreds of dollars of giveaways and this is one of those deals with having the studio at the house really trying to to take things to the next level in 2023 reward the listeners reward the viewers we'll talk about all that when we come back it's btl on a monday big shout out to tommy biffle we will be back right after this are you looking to install your own fishing electronics the solution is the bass tank power harness it takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year catches fish all over the country and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors including Pearl Shad which has this bleached out white look but it's got this pearlescent really really pretty. We've got copper shad which looks amazing in the water it's got that purple flake on the back really really pops in the water and then if you want some real pop we've got sparkle shad nothing but sparkles all over this thing and then last but not least we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait 
So you wanna give them a little different look, that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is gonna handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Monday. Big shout-out to uh, to A. Adam Bartuzek for getting up early. Uh, like I said, if you are anywhere within the new Prague, Minnesota area, that kind of southern Minnesota Twin Cities area, come on out on February 11th. Hang out with me. I'm going to have a bunch of uh, BTL hats and stickers there, as well as thousands of dollars of raffles, giveaways. He's got a that crappy chronicles has a, a beer called break your PB and they're going to have a couple kegs of that left. I guess they sold out of the first one. It's really just like Adam said, there's not a lot going on this time of the year in Minnesota, especially for the open water guys. It's cold. All the boats are in storage. So come out, talk fish and shoot me a DM at Matt Pangrak on Instagram. If you have any questions, uh, if you have any questions about that. All right. We do have some tournament action going on. Southwestern Toyota on uh, uh, Sam Rayburn, Dakota Ebear, one of the hottest guys going last year. Uh, if you look at his string, he, I think he ended the pro circuit with like three or four top tens and the same thing on the BPT racked up like three or hundred plus thousand dollars in, in earnings last year, kicks things off this year, uh, weather shortened event. Everyone just fished two uh, days, two and day three goes 16, six, and then drops 32, four, 32, four, uh, to win over 80 K and get kind of his first major win in the Southwestern division of the Toyota series, which is, uh, good job, Dakota. We need to get him back on the show. He did really good last time. I think he bought, you know, some, like a hunting property and and uh, building where he's living in and stuff. So not a big surprise there, picking up right where he left off. You know, the weirdest thing we talk about is momentum in the sport. Momentum's a weird thing. Some guys keep it. I mean, it's your Kevin Van Dam, you kept it for 28 years. But uh, some guys keep it. Some guys, you know, when the new season starts over, uh, they lose it during that off season. Uh, Ebear has the momentum right now i mean big time momentum so it'll be very interesting to see what he does uh not only in red crest coming up on lake norman but also uh also on the bpt all right i do want to give an update so if you were uh one of the 600 plus live viewers for last week's uh day four with uh uncle frank with frank scalish uh we'll talk more about this on thursday but i've gotten the the messages i've gotten the emails uh, uh we're working on it basically 
is sold out of the color seven in four minutes. And there were the response from the BTL listeners and viewers is why I'm able to do this show. So like, yeah, I try not to, to push as push product for lack of a better term, but there's certain things that happen organically, like the year and a half that went into how the color seven actually came about. And then response from the BTL listeners, like I've had a, a smile on my face, uh, since it's sold out all the limited run in, in four minutes. Um, there were some issues and I'm not exactly sure. Obviously I have nothing to do with lure net. I have nothing to do with the, uh, Booyah Pradco site have nothing to do with that. Uh, I know they are working on it. If you're one of the many that had an order that said it was confirmed and then it was canceled, I get it. That sucks. I apologize for that, but they are doing everything within their capability to, uh, to contact each one of those people individually. And then also to, uh, make it right. They've, they've, they're, they're going to get that bait back. It's, it's a six month plus process to get more of that color in and they're rushing it. They're cutting it drastically, uh, drastically to get that color into the, uh, the BTL listeners hands. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys for the support for that. Uh, that is uh, a big reason why I'm able to do this show, able to bring you guys like Tommy Biffle and tell the the old school stories and things. So uh, massive, massive thank you to the turnout uh, for BTL. And like I said, I, we'll talk about this more on day four. We're going to do a real, real deep dive uh, for the next couple of weeks on day four. Speaking of what we have coming up for BTL, bonus show tonight bonus show uh was working on trying to get dave mercer on i do uh i do the cull which is where we kind of do a back and forth seven eight minute show with him every monday drops every monday on uh the facts of fishing youtube channel and podcast platforms and we usually have mercer on to talk about what's going on in 2023 what the uh, what the elite series looks like, but I've had a lot of of really good off the record conversations with him over the past year uh, since we kind of started this cull thing about uh, about the social media and the podcasts and the fishing world and how media is being consumed by the fans and where professional anglers fit in it and where the YouTube fits in it and where the podcasts fit in it and how it all works together. In addition to the fact that we're less than a month away from the elite series kicking off. Uh, so I was looking at our schedules. We we're trying to get him on. And I said, dude, I said, when we went live last week in the evening, I said the, the viewers and the response was awesome. I said, let's just do an evening show. And he was a hundred percent on board with it. Uh, so Kind of cool deal tonight, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and then you, if you guys out on the West Coast, you can figure out what time it is. But Dave Mercer will be live, and I can't remember any other show that Dave said. We'll, we'll be taking instant feedback questions, uh, and we'll be giving away some AFCO stuff. I've got, uh, if you listen, I've got a pair of the large, size large. I'm six foot, 180, and... Uh, those larges are are a little big on me, which is what I like. But the sweatpants, the AFCO sweatpants that I talk about that I like to wear under my Reaper stuff. And then uh, Mercer's going to have some stuff to give away too. But uh, Dave Mercer, we're going to do a, a BTO show. But that doesn't mean we're not going to do a show on Tuesday because Tuesday we're going to come right back and we're going to go with uh, elite qualifier, former FLW Tour winner, Casey Scanlon. 
uh, is going to be on the show. First time Casey's been on the show for a while. He's going to be on Tuesday along with Dave Rush from Best on Tour to talk about some of the top things that went on in the industry uh, during the month of January. And then to kick things off Wednesday, February 1st, weather permitting in studio, Brad Hallman, as he prepares to leave for Florida to go to the Elite Series, it'll be the first time that brad has been on in 2023 so it's he'll either be in his studio in his office or in studio like i said it just kind of depends on uh kind of depends on the weather and then uh day four on thursday and then we've got uh we got a good good show the following week pete robbins i think this is going to be probably one of my favorite shows that i've done in the past five or six years don't want to let the cat out of the bag don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet on that but all right uh I was unable to watch any of the football stuff that went down. I can tell folks aren't happy though. Some folks are happy. Last week's guest, Kevin Rogers, I'm sure he is going to be happy because he's a big time Chiefs fan. Guys who aren't Chiefs fans, Bengals fans, the Ohio crew, probably not very thrilled with how it went down. But that is all we got for today. Bobby Biffle, Adam Bartuzak. Tonight, 7 p.m. Central Time, Dave Mercer live. Lots of AFCO giveaways and your opportunity to ask Dave uh, and myself questions. Uh, we're going to do a regular uh, podcast episode and then incorporate some uh, some viewer feedback into it. So this has been another edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. We'll talk to everybody later tonight with Dave Mercer. See ya.